aboard the news muscle car. Choo-choo goes the car horn. Here's some news. The Democrats are out of control, sprinting to the extreme far left and forcing kind-hearted and innocent and moderate Democrats to appear right-wing. This is according to the world's, let's say, richest mind. Elon Musk, who has had enough of those far-left bullies with their fascist ideas spreading division and hate like better healthcare and human rights and unions and class action lawyers? That seems telling. Like, hilariously transparent and telling. Anyway, look at these leftists moving farther to the... Oh, wait, that's odd. It, it looks like conservatives are actually the ones that are moving more right in that graph. Also, this one and this one that shows that Republicans are super far right even by global standards. Must be a typo of some kind. Maybe he's referring to this study that showed Dems moved more left, although it's completely in line with how the world has shifted more left. Weird how that always happens. It's, it's almost like progressive ideas are just the natural way in which society is directed and Democrats are doing the bare minimum to keep up while the GOP refuses to. But anyway, Elon is mad at unions. So he shared a meme. One that, according to the guy who made it, was apparently an expression of his feelings and the Debunking it with facts is like answering a love poem with a syllogism. Sure, man, people have feelings, and that's fine. Although, it is kind of weird that the guy whose pinned tweet is literally facts don't care about your feelings backed up Elon's feeling meme, even challenging people to name a single position in which the right moved more to the right before, you know, ignoring all the people giving real answers. Stuff like the GOP's shift concerning the environment, or voting rights, or immigration, or the overall change that happened when the party was taken over by religious fanaticism and adopted anti-abortion stances in the 70s. And hey, did you know that the NRA used to support gun restrictions? and even helped enact them until their focus changed exclusively to lobbying and they latched themselves onto the GOP in the 80s. That seems relevant to now, but sure, the left got a little PC in your feelings. So I guess that's actually the, the more extreme party, not the one with a gubernatorial candidate currently running on a Jesus guns babies platform and claiming that the church runs her state. And honestly, the phrase Jesus guns babies is now sadly accurate to the GOP if you change around the grammar there. Fun joke about how they seem to prioritize religious freedom and guns over the deaths of school children. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm sure there are folks on the left that are very extreme, just like there are folks on the right who are as well. But the difference is that those extremely left-wingers aren't in office or running for office, nor are they being embraced by the mainstream Democratic Party. That's the thing. Elon made it clear that the meme wasn't about the left or the right, but Republicans and Democrats. And that's what we're here today to talk about. Not the Elon stuff, but also stay f***ing tuned for a new Elon episode, folks. Because boy, yum, 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 we love it. Blah! No, we're going to talk about the primaries, specifically the Republican primaries, and most specifically, King Specific, we're going to discuss the Republicans in the primaries who are weirdos who perhaps need to fuck off forever. That's actually a very long list, a lot of turds floating in the pool. So in the interest of time, today we're going to focus on just three large turds, four if you count Elon, which we shall. Maybe even a surprise fifth. Sneak a little extra turd in your pocket for you. Yeah, you like extra turds in your pocket? No, too bad, all right. But mostly, 
Three candidates that perfectly represent every era of the recent right-wing regression into extremism, starting with the very obvious elephant in the room. You know, the concern plaguing everyone's mind in June of 2022. The War on Christmas. Now, you may have thought the War on Christmas was just a religious right-wing ploy to stir up hatred against the godless left. Which, yes, of course. But, in fact, the War on Christmas is very real, and like all wars, has left carnage and suffering in its wake. Elves with gangrenous trench wounds, dead reindeer getting their eyes pecked out by crows, disease, famine, Frosty the Snowman melting in a flurry of napalm, Rudolph going full-blown Colonel Kurtz and getting brutally killed by Blitzen. But who, in the name of all that is Mary, who would declare war on Santa himself? Dear Cheesy Christ, she's back! Sarah Palin's War on Christmas! That is, of course, former governor and VP candidate Sarah Palin, seen in that previous clip emerging from the fresh carcass of a pink bear she killed on a dystopian singing show apparently designed to give the entire country a rage stroke. Palin is currently running for Congress in Alaska because I guess the universe just wants to punish us even more. Thank you universe may we have another more specifically though and according to her she is running against the left socialist big government america last agenda but the reality i dare say is that sarah palin is waging an honest to santa war on christmas plain and simple which we will get to but first for all you disgusting youngs, a quick refresher on exactly what brand of hell Sarah Palin is. Because she wasn't always just America's hip new masked singer, much like how George Bush wasn't always the candy-sharing dear old Ellen confidant. It turns out she's a bad person, you see. In fact, while there are certainly other instances of the right going more to the right over the years, you could argue that Palin's vice presidential run was actually the foreshock to the much larger Trump era, if not a key propellant to the MAGA wave entirely. Sarah was a major ringleader of the whole racist birtherism of the Obama presidency, as well as the Tea Party movement that absolutely pushed the GOP more to the right. After McCain lost to Obama, the right wing lost their collective shit about a black man being president. I'm sure they wouldn't describe it that way. However, it is hard to see another explanation. Obama was in no way a left-wing extremist, actually disappointing the left with his centrist pro-corporation actions like helping the oil industry and bragging about it, the bailouts, not even getting a public option out of his supermajority, being anti-woke and being sympathetic to a certain strain of conservatism, in his own words. He also killed a lot of people with flying robots. Too many people, one could argue. And yet, despite Obama being pretty moderate, even self-proclaimed as such, not to mention carrying on all the wars and even overseeing the murder of that 9-11 guy, despite all of that, the right still treated him like a socialist ogre and in turn formed far-right movements that just so happened to become hotbeds for white supremacy. Gee, I wonder why. How shocking that the Tea Party, which again formed in reaction to this fantasy around Obama's presidency and was also astroturfed and funded by the Koch brothers, big oil and big tobacco of wacky, would also become a place of recruitment for white supremacists. Not figuratively. I mean, according to a study by the Institute of Research and Education on Human Rights that concluded white supremacist groups were using the Tea Party to recruit new members. Boy, if only we had seen the signs. Just any, any sign we could have seen. Just a single sign is all I'm asking for. Wow, the white supremacy really came out of nowhere. Ah! 
All right, so yeah, Sarah Palin is a racist party clown, arguably the worst kind of party clown. She's praised Trump's birther movement, she mocked liberals for driving rice rockets, a pejorative slur that means a car or motorcycle manufactured in Japan or other East Asian countries, which is not only extremely racist, but like 1920s racist. And in 2014, on Martin Luther King Day, Palin addressed then-President Obama saying, Mr. President, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. and all who commit to ending any racial divide, no more playing the race card. But hey, you know, maybe Alaska wants a racist for some reason. The flaming crosses are a good source of heat, I suppose. Well, unfortunately, it turns out that along with being a racist, Sarah Palin also cannot govern. After she helped John McCain lose the campaign against Obama in 2008, she returned to being governor of Alaska for about a year before resigning in 2009, citing the the financial burden of the many, many, many legal complaints against her. Palin was involved in some real folksy ethics violations, such as Troopergate, when in 2008, she dismissed Safety Commissioner Walt Monaghan, allegedly because he didn't fire State Trooper Mike Wooten, who was in a messy and heated divorce with Palin's sister. The Alaska Legislative Council investigated and found out, wow, gee, golly, wow again. She did get into a bit of an ethics pickle with that one. Along with that, she also had around 19 other ethics complaints filed against her, including one for accepting improper gifts via the Alaska Fund Trust, something she used for, and this is true, getting her supporters to help pay for her legal defense against other ethics violations. And despite all those gratuitous legal money issues, she went back into the fray in 2017, this time suing the New York Times for libel. The case went on until 2022, when she got COVID and the trial had to be paused. But, you know, at least she was vaccinated, right? <laughs> nah, who am I kidding? Of course she's not. It'll be over my dead body that I'll have to get a shot. I will not do it. I won't do it, and um, they better not touch my kids either. Or I don't know, maybe hopefully she's a liar instead of being extremely irresponsible, I guess is what I'm hoping. Anyway, that libel case with the New York Times was about an editorial they ran pointing out that Sarah Palin had a map on her political action committee website that featured former Arizona representative Gabrielle Gifford's district in crosshairs among other Democratic opponents. Jesse Kelly, the Tea Party Republican running against Giffords that Palin endorsed, also had a campaign event described as get on target for victory in November, help remove Gabrielle Giffords from office, shoot a fully automatic M16 with Jesse Kelly. Palin initially responded to criticism about her crosshairs map by doubling down, writing, don't retreat, instead, reload guns, I assume. Then, in 2011, at a constituent meeting, Gabrielle Giffords was shot in the f***ing head, along with 19 others, six of them being killed. Giffords survived, but was severely wounded. America then tightened its gun laws, and there hasn't been a single mass shooting since. Fact check pending. So in 2017, the New York Times editorial speculated that Palin's crosshairs political map may have incited the shooter, then immediately retracted the claim. So Palin sued, then in 2022, lost the case because she couldn't prove the New York Times were being malicious. You know, probably because they were just stating the things that had happened. Like how, boy, it seems like the GOP really loves encouraging gun violence and then pretending that gun violence isn't the problem. Also, an interesting aside about this trial, Sarah Palin used the exact same legal team that Pierre Thiel used when he sued Gawker. Teal is, of course, the founder of PayPal. Hi, Elon! And now a general right-wing money ghoul currently funding certain GOP politicians. And I don't know, maybe also Sarah Palin? 
which some have speculated would need a backer for a continued case against the New York Times. It seems pretty fucking much exactly like that, I speculate. Anyway, good luck on your case, Sarah. Oh, that's a shame. No speck of proof, trombone sounds, etc. Of course, this was all a lead up to the aforementioned war on Christmas that Sarah Palin is definitely waging. And what I mean is that Sarah Palin is running for Congress in Alaska against a man known as Santa Claus. I say he's known as Santa Claus because that is his legal name. There are like also like 48 other candidates for the primary election, but who gives a shit when one of them is the jolly old elf Mr. Mom Kisser, we love to call him. The Hitler of giving gifts. Classic Santa nicknames. The seat is open because former Republican Representative Don Young died and had held the seat since 1973, which seems like a sign of a thriving and healthy democracy. But what's important here is that yes, Santa is real. And yes, he's a Bernie Sanders supporter. And yes, he lives in the North Pole, as in the city of North Pole, Alaska. And by city, I mean small town in the dead center of the coldest U.S. state. Home to the Santa Claus house, gift shop, and what I'm assuming to be the most depressed teenagers who ever existed. Anyway, Santa Claus won a city council seat in 2015 and is a self-described democratic socialist. He legally changed his name to bring awareness to children's issues of safety, welfare, and health. He's also in favor of expanding Medicare and reducing military spending, supports ranked choice voting, unions, child tax credits, Medicare for all, and is only spending $400 of his own money on his campaign. We love him. Look at him! Some of it sort of positions me directly um, in opposition to um, Sarah. Sarah was up here a lot longer than I've been. And she has some baggage from way back when. So um, I'm trying to turn a new leaf for whoever might succeed me in that particular office. And I'm not spending more than $400 on my entire campaign. So that should be a real signal saying no outside influence. One thing that I wrote a while back, which I'm just going to refer to, ranked choice voting reduces partisanship, encourages more candidates to run, boosts voter turnout, takes power away from special interests and out-of-state influence, and makes it almost impossible for anyone to rig an election. What are your main three policies? Well, as I mentioned before, Medicare for all, um, union support, child tax credit, a wealth tax on the tippy-top uh, wealthiest in the United States, uh, remove the cap on Social Security contributions. He's about as close to a real Santa Claus as you can get. So obviously, in the spirit of our current political system, he's not doing well in the polls. He didn't even get enough voter support to make it into the must-read Alaska poll. So currently, the race seems to be between independent Dr. Fisherman Al Gross, Republican software company CEO Nicholas Bejik III, and maybe Sarah Palin. Behind Santa, Al Gross is probably the best option there. He is somewhat pro-environment, pro-reproductive rights, and pro-single-payer healthcare, but is not in favor of the Green New Deal and is in favor of drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. So, like, less pro-environment? I don't know. He's fine. Not better than St. Nicholas, but better than Nicholas Bejik III, that fancy little rascal, and better than Sarah Palin, who was endorsed by Trump and whose platform is just basically oil and gas jobs because she sucks and has no actual solutions. So it'd be great if Mr. Gross won in a state that is pretty conservative. But still, again, he's no Santa Claus. 
He's a Santa stand-in, a Santa consolation prize. Like when your parents tell you you're gonna get to see Santa Claus, and then your uncle comes down the stairs wearing a beard that doesn't fit, belches, hands you a pen he got from the car dealership and says, Merry Christmas, Kobe. It's hypothetical situation that I'm not emotional about still at all. I don't carry the pen around at all times. My point is, this election is happening the weekend after this is out. And, you know, we'll probably be a show, what with the 48 candidates. So, I don't know. Vote for Santa, is what I'm saying, to all of my Alaska viewers. Or perhaps you have a better grasp of what's going on up there. So, in that case, vote for whoever you already plan to vote for. But again, I hope it's Santa. But more importantly, just, you know... Don't vote for Sarah Palin, although I guess this is technically an example of the right not moving at all, right? It's still Sarah Palin, chugging along, being like Sarah Palin. So, nailed it. Elon, you like Sarah Palin. Of course, there are other examples that aren't this one silly turd. Signs that the GOP, even though it's the left actually, sure appear to be pushing further into this bizarre dark MAGA party. And hey, wow, that would actually be a really good transition into our next candidate, if it weren't for these dark ads. Am I right? I am right. My proof? These ads. Hey, creamheads. You like creamies? I like creamies. I cream in the morning, at night, sometimes even in the afternoon if I'm feeling creamy. Creaming my skin, I mean. This is about skin cream. And like, no matter who you are, it's important to cream your skin, which is why I started using Proven Skincare. It's a personalized skincare service that creates custom creamies based on your cream needs. Their formulas are rooted in the world's largest beauty database, aka the Skin Genome Project, and the winner of MIT's AI Technology of the Year Award, all for creamies. It's cream science, you see, as Proven Skincare has studied over 20,000 skincare products in order to figure out the best cream for each individual's cream needs. Creeds, if you will. They have a three-step system that includes a personalized cleanser, day moisturizer with SPF, and a special night cream for those dark time creamies. They update their creamy formulas every eight weeks to evolve with you based on your skin or environment. You know, like how some seasons make your skin drier than others, so they just, they adjust their creams for your seasonal creeds. So get your creamies with Proven Skincare. Go to ProvenSkincare.com to take the free skin genome quiz and use code SMN for $20 off your first order. That's ProvenSkincare.com, code SMN for $20 off your first order. ProvenSkincare.com, code SMN, cream it up, creamies, skin cream. I've, I've actually, I use it and it, it feels nice. It's good. The cream is good. Cream. Awooga! Ding, ding! Trolley sounds! The news boat is landing at the bus station because we are back! We were talking about that Sarah Palin lady, who perhaps, much like this next person, needs to pick a different occupation. Animal control could be fun, or maybe some kind of boating job. Land boats at the station, you get the idea. We were also talking about how the right has supposedly stayed exactly in one place, while the left supposedly moved more left. Which is weird, since for all her association with the far right, Sarah Palin now seems like Santa Bernie Bro Claus compared to Madison Hitler Bro Cawthorn, noted loser. Madison Cawthorn loses, vows revenge. Yeah, that's right. Madison Cawthorn just lost his primary after dealing with some negative press about, no, I'm not calling it Humpgate. So Cawthorn has been a house representative for North Carolina since 2020. 
He's a Republican who, before his election, visited a Nazi retreat that Hitler frequented in Germany, or in Cawthorn's words, the vacation house of the Fuhrer. Continuing on Instagram, Cawthorn said the Hitler home had been on his bucket list for a while, and it did not disappoint, like he was leaving a review of the Grand Canyon. But I guess in fairness, he went on to say, quote, Strange to hear so many laughs and share such a good time with my brother, where only 79 years ago a supreme evil shared laughs and good times with his compatriots. Which is still somehow the most pro-Hitler way you could possibly phrase a technically anti-Hitler statement. Real freak shit. So does this make Cawthorn a Nazi? No, not necessarily. But it dramatically raises the chance he's got a rec room full of, let's call it, war memorabilia because he let's call it likes hitler and hates minorities he's also staunchly pro january 6th attempted coup and in fact helped rile up the crowds before they marched to the capital and continues to talk about bloodshed because he's a let's call it fucking asshole the things that we are wanting to fight for it doesn't matter if our votes don't count exactly. because you know if our election systems continue to be rigged and continue to be stolen then it's, it's gonna lead to one place and it's bloodshed other than potentially being involved in an attempted coup or at the very least supporting said attempted coup Cawthorn has done some other pretty naughty things, like lying about how a car crash stopped him from enrolling in a naval academy, even though he had already been rejected by the academy before the accident, which he admitted in an insurance deposition. Cawthorn also claimed the friend he was with in the car accident fled and left him for dead, even though the friend says he actually saved Cawthorn by pulling him from the wreckage, and that Cawthorn had previously said, this is the guy who saved my life. So, you know, self-serving lies. So far, pretty normal for a politician. Am I right? Got him, but don't want him. Put him back. All right. Oh, and Cawthorn had to drop out of college, which she also admitted in that insurance deposition, due to low grades, which, whatever, grades are cringe and mid. Nobody cares about that. But also, over 150 students signed a letter accusing him of being a sexual predator. So, there's that. Cawthorn also tried to bring a loaded gun on a plane twice. He was charged for driving with a revoked license, twice. He may also be involved in an insider trading pump and dump scheme with Let's Go Brandon anti-Biden cryptocurrency, which is a sentence I hated saying and feels bad in my mouth, like a, like a briny, sandy badness bubbling in my throat hole. But even the stuff he does say, out loud, in the open, is not great. In an anti-abortion speech, he called women earthen vessels amidst a series of words that sure sound like a nonsensical evangelical rant as opposed to the reasoning of a lawmaker. Precious works of our creator formed and set apart meet death before they breathe life. Eternal souls woven into earthen vessels sanctified by almighty God and endowed with the miracle of life are denied their birth by a nation that was born in freedom. God's breath of life blown away by the breath of man. This cruel and fallen world may seem too filthy for their very presence, but these precious temples are crafted in the image of God himself. One day, perhaps when science darkens the soul of the left, our nation will repent. But until then, the carnage of this unconscionable deed will stain the fabric of our nation. I am not a woman, sorry, but I'm almost certain that women don't like being called earthen vessels. In fact, I'm just gonna call a woman right now. We're gonna ask, all right? We're gonna go straight to the source. And find out once and for all okay hi katie yes hi um can you lower your little he got loose 
Well, did he use iron bars? What about the sponges? How many sponges did you cram in there? Well, there's your problem. That's not enough sponges. Oh, I had a question, actually. So do women like being called earthen vessels? And she hung up on me. Okay. Anyway, Cawthorn's also gone on a rant against the culture today, trying to demasculate all men, and said women should raise their sons to be monsters in the name of preserving masculinity. He's basically, if you put all of 4chan in that weird science machine to make the ultimate creep. Our culture today is trying to completely demasculate all of the young men in our culture. I mean, you, you can look at the testosterone levels in young men today, and they are lower than throughout all of history. And there's a lot of reasons for this that we can get into later. But my friends, they're trying to demasculate the young men in this country because they don't want people who are going to stand up. And so I'm telling you, all of you moms here, the people who I said were the most vicious in our, uh, in our movement, if you are raising a young man, please raise them to be a monster. Raise... Okay, so he's a raging sexist, but is he a racist too, I ask, being fully aware that he is. But it's nice to pretend, you know, just for a minute. That's a sweet little minute. Oh. But no, it turns out that the guy who gave a five-star rating to Hitler's vacation home is indeed a bit of a racist. In 2020, Cawthorn published an attack website against his opponent, Moe Davis. Meanwhile, a journalist named Tom Fiedler wrote both positively about Moe Davis and ran fact checks against Madison Cawthorn. Now, both Fiedler and Davis are white men, so it may be a bit perplexing that somewhere in this story, Cawthorn managed to be super racist, but to his credit, he did! This motherfucker squeezed racist water from a stone by writing that Tom Fiedler, the white journalist critical of him, left academia to work for non-white males like Cory Booker, who aims to ruin white males running for office. Because I guess non-white people existing in a job ruins it for the white people. What is with these guys and Depression-era racism? Anyway, Cawthorn would go on to defend his action as a typo or some shit claiming the syntax of our language was unclear. Which is a lie, because it was clear, and there's not really a comma or an M-dash, or dare I say even an N-dash, umlaut, or interabang you could throw in there to fix it. He also proposed a 52-point plan to turn America into a fascist country, sorry, I mean, abolish the Department of Education, make English the official language of the U.S., make sure everyone can carry and conceal firearms in every state without a permit, make the U.S. government recognize that life begins at conception, and a bunch of points all about making sure the environment is f Basically, all the wrong solutions in one convenient package. Like an anti-multivitamin that gives you scurvy. Also, he punched a tree. Like, a lot. Not a joke video. That is actually him punching a tree like your 11-year-old cousin claiming he has ninja strength, or your 11-year-old cousin starting a new Minecraft world. It's kind of like a metaphor. Imagine the tree as the environment, and Madison Cawthorn as Madison Cawthorn. And he's punching it, you see. Sometimes, life writes the jokes for me. But obviously, none of anything I've mentioned so far ever bothered Republican leadership. Because of course it didn't, why would it? But eventually, the GOP did turn on this tree-punching Hitler hobbyist. Any guesses on what actually did it? Then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're gonna have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes, you should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. 
Of course! You can do all the racism and sexism and Hitler vacations you want. Just don't imply that Republicans would dare enjoy sex or drugs. Of course, this is just his word against theirs. Cawthorn is a liar, as we've established. But I could also totally imagine there being drug-fueled Republican orgies. And I hate that I can. It's filthy and wet, but also dry at the same time. Like river stones eroding over the great chasm of time. But no matter the truth here, this interview was a step too far, but not the Hitler stuff, and pissed off his fellow Republicans enough to challenge him in the primary, not to mention a very stern talking to from Kevin McCarthy, a talking to that this reporter is going to claim made Madison cry. Dad said he was disappointed in Madison, and Madison admitted to Dad that he may have exaggerated those orgy claims. Also, Dad is what McCarthy likes being called the orgies. But even after this stiff verbal spanking, the definitely not having secret orgies, even though we're really defensive about secret orgies, Republicans weren't done with Cawthorn. Suddenly, mysterious sources close to Cawthorn started to offer up some dirt on him, which it seems like would be really easy given all of the lying, possible harassment, and horrible things he's just said out loud on purpose. But those weren't the things that were dug up. Instead, it was Cawthorn wearing earrings and lingerie on a cruise, which, okay? That's maybe the only halfway cool thing he's done in his life, and it was for some contest? And yet Occupy Democrats, a totally progressive and LGBTQ-friendly organization, tweeted, Breaking! Photos leak exposing MAGA rep Madison Cawthorn partying while dressed in skimpy lingerie and hoop earrings while drinking with women. Cawthorn previously claimed that he refused to attend Republican cocaine orgies. Retweet if you think that he must resign! And like... Wait, what? Why is wearing hoop earrings and lingerie bad or something he should resign over? Maybe he should resign over the lying, uh, the coup attempt, or the very probably Nazi memorabilia that, while I have no evidence of it, he definitely probably has and cuddles. This, of course, wasn't the end of the attacks against this fashy ent bully. A political action committee founded by two North Carolina Democrats called American Muckrakers continued to dig up and push out other evidence against Cawthorn. And by evidence, I mainly mean a bunch of Ew, gay attacks for some mind-blowing reason. There are a bunch of videos that Cawthorn attempted to explain away, and you can look them up to, like, jerk off to or whatever, but we don't have to show them here. And sure, there's something to be said about the hypocrisy whenever stuff like this comes up with anti-gay politicians, but it's still pretty f***ing disappointing. Not surprising, but disappointing. That thinly veiled homophobia is what tanked his election, as opposed to all of that fascism stuff, or even that crypto insider trading thing. Or, you know, how 150 students at his ex-college signed a letter accusing him of sexual predation, which seems more damning than him being secretly gay or whatever. Or like, geez, I don't know, how about him openly calling for people to threaten election officials? So everybody, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you. Please get on the phone, call your congressman, and feel free, you can lightly threaten them. And say, say, you know what? If you don't start supporting election integrity, I'm coming after you, Madison Cawthorn's coming after you, everybody's coming after you. Nope, it wasn't that either. It was just, what if he's gay stuff. 
It just doesn't seem as relevant, again, beyond the hypocrisy, compared to the other stuff I've mentioned. But at least they're actually investigating him for that crypto scam now, even if that's probably not what cost him this election. And heck, it sure would have been neat for Cawthorn to realize that what he experienced is only a fraction of the hate LGBTQ people have to deal with on a regular basis, which is a thing he did not realize. No, instead of doing any self-reflection or really making any change, after losing the election, Madison Cawthorn took to Instagram, posting a list of people he considered America First Patriots, next to a rant calling for, and this is a direct quote, the rise of the new right. It's time for Dark Maga to truly take command. Like, quite literally a Star Wars villain. Some masked dipshit named Jep Moon Eater or whatever. Shit is like a literal extremist manifesto, stating that they have to defeat the cowardly and weak members of our own party. As in the establishment republic. You know, the people of Sarah Palin's era that have now been deemed not right-wing enough by the party that's totally not moving more right because it's, it's the left, you see. I don't know. Maybe this is the last we'll see of this massive wad. I sure hope so. But that post seems very telling that we're going to start seeing a growing and worrying trend of the GOP, let's call them leaders who will boost off of Trump's election fraud claims to completely disregard any election results they do not like, even the ones where they clearly lost, like losers, perhaps going to the point that they won't even try to pretend it's about fraud, but simply demanding that their ideology be in power despite it not having the majority support. In Arizona, a swing state, there was a now-stalled bill introduced that would allow the legislature there to ultimately accept or reject election results based on whether they thought those results were fraudulent, which is a long way to say that they are trying to find excuses to overturn election results they don't like. Grabbing the community ball and saying, it's my ball and I'm going home. So even though it has been proven so, so much that the last presidential election was indeed a fair one, or at least as fair as all the other elections, some GOP candidates are now running on a platform of conspiracy theories claiming that it was fraudulent. It's basically the new Q. Remember Q? Remember how that didn't, you know, go anywhere save for an attempted Q attempt? And, and yet barely anyone on the right was willing to admit that it was bad and wrong. Anywho, by pretending like the Democrats rigged the last big election, which they did not, the GOP is able to project their own desire to actually mess with elections under the idea that they did it first, while also appealing to that Trump base. Because thanks to our loser crime president, polling has shown that most Republicans have lost confidence in our election integrity. But an interesting detail is that the majority polled also think that the elections in their local area were run just fine. And the problem is other areas. Meaning that it's a gaggle of conservatives who all think everyone else's state is the bad guy, but not their state. Probably because they've seen no actual evidence, but keep being told there's a problem. You know, because it isn't actually a problem. But again, despite these facts, we can expect both the primaries and midterms to be jam-packed with a country kitchen buffet's worth of legal meddling and tampering that will be bound to zero integrity or specific morality beyond the GOP candidates simply wanting to win. For example, you probably recall all the many ads with Republicans denouncing and making laws against mail-in voting. Except, sure enough, we're now seeing some GOP candidates suddenly embrace mail-in votes that might benefit them after all. Huh. How strange! It's like they don't believe in anything, so they can say they believe in anything.
So yeah, fun preview for the midterm elections, not to mention that as of the day we shot this episode, a report came out detailing how Republicans are currently implementing a massive recruitment campaign specifically looking for right-leaning poll workers to connect with a web of local lawyers and district attorneys. While the claim is to have conservatives more represented in election certification, according to one election watchdog group, this level of coordination has never been done by a political party before, is focused primarily on swing states, and seems designed to, quote, create massive failure of certification in areas that tilt toward Democrats. Literally, what they accuse the Dems of doing. Literally, attempting to steal elections at a local level by placing operatives into the area. Extremely f***ed up. And even if that doesn't work, I'm still willing to bet that if any of the ultra-dark Omega MAGA folks lose those midterms, it won't be the last we see of them. Just like how I'm sure we won't see the last of that loser Cawthorn, much like we didn't see the last of that loser Sarah Palin, who I hope stays a loser and goes away for Christmas's sake. So that's the old GOP and the new GOP, both losers, if you happen to notice. But now we're going to talk about a winner. And by winner, I strictly mean in the legal sense, because it turns out that primaries aren't the only way people are vying for their candidacy. Nor does it seem like certain people who really need to go away are going to do that anytime soon. No, certain people really want to stick around no matter how embarrassing they are to this already embarrassing country. And we're going to talk about them. But of course, I would be a complete dip if I didn't first turn it over to ads. I'd just be, be a real poopy head, you know? So here are some ads from a non-pooped up guy to you. Hey, have you ever thought to yourself, what is up with it? And you just don't know where to go or what to do? Well, I've got a product for you that is a service that you can go to at the website.com slash get it. It's the promo code for the show that you need to watch to get it and use for the product. Just go to the place I said dot whatever and put in this thing that I recommend because they're paying me to. And after you do that, you will get a subscription to the stuff that we want you to need. Okay, there's no ad for this section. Okay, last ad break of the show. Maybe the best ad break we've ever done, but we're done with ads. We talked about Palin and Cawthorn and a little bit of Elon, so that's gotta be the worst of it, right? Am I right? Marjorie Taylor Greene's gross fight for re-election. Oh no, it's the opposite of me being right. Oh, shucks and balls, ball shucking. Earlier last month, a U.S. administrative judge ruled that Georgia Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene would be allowed to run for re-election despite her role in both promoting and downplaying the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, during which an army of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol in an attempt to prevent Congress from certifying Joe Old Biden's 2020 election victory. However, the ruling is apparently only a recommendation, and the ultimate decision as to whether Greene will be allowed to run for re-election will be up to Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, because, I don't know, man, laws are weird and confusing. Whatever the reason, though, Raffensperger sided with the judge anyhow, giving Marjorie Taylor a green light, haha, like her name, she tried to do a treason. Also, she won the primary. F***ing congratulations, you immovable sh**. 
Green was part of a new crop of Republican House members, including the aforementioned Cawthorn, as well as Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, and Senator Josh Hawley, seemingly congealed from the same Discord server of teenage racists. Much like the rest of her pals, Green's brain has been thoroughly honeycombed by conspiracy worms, which means she supported QAnon, the Great Replacement Theory, Pizzagate, that Jewish space laser thing, and 9-11 truthers. She's publicly stated her belief that the Parkland shooting was a false flag attack meant to strip Americans of their precious guns to the point that she followed around and harassed David Hogg before running for Congress. Also, stated that Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama should be executed for the crime of being Democrats. Also, she just generally looks and acts like the Cruella DeVille of a Muppets movie. I probably don't have to explain who Marjorie Taylor Greene is to you. But always want to stress that in any other reality, beliefs like hers would prevent you from getting a job at Friendly's lest you start handing out anti-Semitic literature with each scoop of cookies and cream. But in our extremely flawed universe, one out of five stars, terrible universe, Greene's viewpoints aren't just tolerated, but shared by several other members of Congress. And of course, so are her views that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election. The lie that she and others stuck to even after the storm of violence that briefly took over the Capitol building. The recommendation regarding Green's eligibility comes after a coalition of voters and liberal groups filed a lawsuit to bar her from Congress for her role in the January 6th insurrection. The suit was brought under the 14th Amendment, which forbids any person who has engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States from sitting in Congress. You know, because of the Civil War. Nobody wanted Stonewall Jackson coming home from killing his fellow Americans just to run for public office, which is good because he didn't come home. He was accidentally shot by his own men. That feels relevant somehow. Like fomenting chaos for your own gain inevitably leads to personal destruction or something. Something like that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come to me when I sober up. Green was called upon to testify during the trial, which at the time of this writing makes her the first and only member of Congress to testify under oath about the events of January 6th. More pointedly, it's the first time a far-right member of Congress has had to respond under oath and face scrutiny about the litany of conspiratorial language and lies that they have spread over the last two years. And the result was, honestly, a little cathartic, but nonetheless depressing. Like using a power washer to clean your grandmother's grave. She was the first sitting member of Congress to testify under oath about January 6th, about that, that date and the lead up to it. I think a lot of us were watching to see if we learned anything, learned anything about uh, her conversations with the former president, her potential conversations with those who did end up storming the Capitol. Uh, I can say I don't feel like I learned a whole lot from today. I think a lot of that had to do with, like you said, her rather defiant responses, how often she said she just didn't recall, she didn't want to answer the questions, she pushed back against counsel over every little ticky-tacky thing, um, and she often dismissed the sources outright. Green repeatedly falls back on a faulty memory to get around answering any questions about things she said on social media before, during, and after the insurrection. It's embarrassing, hilarious, and terrifying all at once. Like the cat in the hat doing nude gymnastics at your grandmother's funeral. Not the same one you power washed before, different grandma. Sorry about your grandmothers. Anyway, her unflappable strategy of answering I don't remember and I don't recall to statements that are a documented fact of public record perfectly illustrates how fragile the right-wing conspiracy narrative of stuff like voter fraud truly is and how easily it falls apart when a single proponent is forced to answer a question truthfully. For instance, when asked point blank to confirm whether she believes Nancy Pelosi is a traitor to the country, Green initially tries to pretend she doesn't remember, then quickly switches tactics and refuses to answer the question, calling it speculation. And then this happens. In fact, you think that 
Speaker Pelosi is a traitor to the country, right? Uh, you're, I'm not answering that question. It's speculation. It's you, you've, you've said that, haven't you, Ms. Green, that she's a traitor to the country? No, I haven't said that. Okay. Put up Plaintiff's Exhibit 5, please. Oh, no, wait. Hold on now. I believe by not upholding the, uh, securing the border, that that violates her oath of office. Green initially tries to deflect the question by minimizing her inflammatory phrasing, but when cornered and asked to simply say yes or no as to whether she ever called Nancy Pelosi a traitor, she says no. At which point, the lawyer immediately directs the court's attention to an exhibit, which is a transcription of the exact quote in which Green did in fact call Nancy Pelosi a traitor. You can see in real time as Green realizes she's about to perjure herself and quickly backpedals to try and minimize and qualify the time she said Pelosi was a traitor guilty of treason who deserves the death penalty. Did you say, referring to Speaker Pelosi, she's a traitor to our country, she's guilty of treason, she took an oath to protect the American citizens. She gives aid and comfort to our enemies who illegally invade our land. That's what treason is. And our law representatives and senators can be kicked out and no longer serve in our government. And it's uh, a crime punishable by death is what treason is. Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason. Did you say those words? I said, this is what I was telling you is I, she doesn't uphold our laws. Uh, it's a simple yes or no question, ma'am. Did you say those words? Without being instructed by him to say yes or no. I don't agree, Your Honor. This is cross-examination. She's so entitled to an answer to my question, President not a speech. Green, did you say these words that are quoted on the bottom of it? Did you say that? According to the CNN article I did, I don't remember. Do you recall saying? I don't recall saying all of this, but I do, I do recall having said this about the, I totally disagree with the border issues. Okay, and, and ask an answer. Next question. Green ultimately falls back on an allegedly faulty memory and a veiled attack on the credibility of CNN's reporting of her quotes, which may score you points with MAGA's on the campaign trail, but doesn't do you any good in a court of law. It's total theatrics with no actual substance, all sizzle, no steak, which we've all known since this whole dog shit circus of Trumpian Republicans began. But it's still worth seeing Green flail around ineffectively and essentially throw a tantrum over a very serious lawyer trying to establish an extremely basic agreement of facts. She made a well-documented public statement and she flatly refuses to confirm that she made that statement which she absolutely, definitely did. Similarly, she refused to acknowledge whether interfering with an election makes a person an enemy of the Constitution, which is a thing that she should definitely know as a sitting congressperson. Ms. Green, if somebody tried to unlawfully interfere with the process of counting the electoral votes, unlawfully, that person would be an enemy of the Constitution. Wouldn't you agree? Does it define that way? Is it defined that well, way? Well, I'm asking for your understanding. If somebody broke the law in a way designed to interfere with the process of counting the electoral count college votes, that person would be an enemy of the Constitution. You mean interrupting Congress. Is that what you're referring to? Doing anything unlawfully to interfere with the process of counting the electoral votes. Interrupting Congress, like when the Democrats interrupted Congress and had a sit-in on the House floor and stopped Congress. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I, 
Could you rephrase your I'm, question? I'm entitled to ask my questions in the way I'd like to ask them, Your Honor. I, I ask that you listen to my question and simply respond. May I, may I proceed? Yes. So if someone broke the law in an effort to interfere with the counting of the electoral votes, that person would be an enemy of the Constitution. Am I right about that? Breaking the law is unlawful. There's been over 700 people charged for what happened on January 6th. Right. And those people were trying to interfere with the lawful process of counting the votes for the Electoral College, right? I would assume, yes, they did. They stopped the electoral count. Right. And so those people would be enemies of the Constitution. You would agree with that, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it defines it that way. Wow. Some outstanding four-dimensional chess being played there. In addition to refusing to answer an extremely simple question, Green tried some good old-fashioned deflection and whataboutism, equating 147 Republican representatives refusing to certify the results of a presidential election. With the time a bunch of Democrats staged a sit-in on the House floor back in 2016 to force a vote on gun control legislation. Not to force a specific vote of yay or nay, mind you. Just to force Republicans to allow the vote to take place, which, as you might have noticed, is substantially different from an army of angry Trump supporters violently seizing the Capitol building to overturn a free and fair election. In fact, that sit-in is just, like, part of their job. Voting on stuff is their job, Marjorie. This is also not the only time she was caught lying during the trial. At one point, Green denied that she had sent a text message to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, in which she urged Meadows to tell Trump to enact martial law to overturn the election results and save our republic. But again, she absolutely did send that text because we have the text. We've seen it. It exists. It's a, it's a piece of evidence in this trial. It cannot be denied. And yet that's the only move Green or any of her ilk have. Denying objective reality or pretending you don't remember even when presented with evidence of your actions. It's a strategy that most people abandon when they turn five, but which has steadily become the queen's gambit of the Republican Party. It's also something a really desperate and guilty person would do because she's essentially pretending to have brain damage in order to cover her ass. It's worth noting that Green's memory suddenly became crystal clear when her lawyers insisted she was just as much of a victim of the January 6th attack as her fellow congresspersons. I, I was scared. I was very scared. I was concerned. I was shocked. Shocked. Absolutely shocked. Uh, every time I said, we're going to fight, we're, it was all about objecting. And to me, that was the most important process of the day. And I, I had no idea what was going on. And I just didn't want anyone to get hurt. I didn't want to see anything terrible happen. Um, and it was, it was very upsetting. I was very, very upset when I made that video. She's shocked, shocked.
that her endless stream of poisonous conspiracy rhetoric casting the Democratic Party as enemies of the state and Satan-worshipping pedophiles who must be fought and defeated would result in some like-minded conspiracy brains to steer their conspiracy bodies to the Capitol to fight and defeat the Democrats. So while it super sucks that this person still somehow managed to worm out of this and go on to win her primary election, it's important that we watch these clips. Because at the end of the day, the best solution we have to all of the ghouls I've mentioned, plus all the extra ghouls I haven't mentioned, is to shine a very direct and unflinching light on them. Ask them straightforward and serious questions. Persist with those questions. And suddenly, their entire narratives and conspiracy innuendos and half-assed solutions immediately fall apart. Is this the moment to reform gun laws? You know, it's, it's easy to go to politics. But it's important. It's at the heart of the issue. I, I get that that's where the media likes to go. No, it's not. It's where many of the people we've talked to here like to go. The proposals from Democrats in the media, inevitably, when some violent psychopath murders people... A violent psychopath who's able to get a weapon so easily. 18-year-old with two AR-15s. If you want to stop violent crime... The proposals the Democrats have, none of them would have stopped this. But why does this only happen in your country? I really think that's what many people around the world just, they cannot fathom. Why only in America? Why is this American exceptionalism so awful? You know, I'm sorry you think American exceptionalism is awful. I think I, this I think, aspect, I think, I think this I, aspect you know of it. You get your political agenda. No, it's God, honestly, God love you. Senator, it's not. I just want to understand why you do not think that guns are the problem. Why is this just an American problem? It is just an American problem, sir. Mr. Cruz, why is America the only country that faces this kind of you know what? mass shooting? But you can't answer that. You can't answer that, can you, sir? You can't answer that. Why you know, is this country... Why is it that people come from all over the world to America? Because it's the freest, most prosperous, safest country on Earth. It may be the freest, it may be the most... Why are our kids dying in school? Look. This isn't a video about what happened in Texas. Perhaps we'll do one in the future, but honestly, it's hard to think of something to say that isn't just a single unbroken scream. But it is truly breathtaking to watch people like Cruz firstly try to accuse people of going to politics when asking him, a politician, very direct questions. But I bring up this video because it's yet another example of a very serious, respectful, and direct person simply pointing out an obvious fact to a member of the GOP, and that member simply has having no response. And the more we do this, the more people will realize that these people not only have zero real solutions, but are actively thwarting solutions for their own self-interest. Well, the hope is that more people will realize that. There's no real equivalent to Ted Cruz's or especially Marjorie Taylor Greene's behavior in the Democratic Party. Not that I'm particularly into the Dems, but when major GOP voices are blaming f***ing trans kids and doors for mass shootings, it's hard not to laugh at anyone claiming that the left is the real problem, or the real extremists, or the party of hate and division, after hours earlier saying on camera that the real reason you don't like them is because they are too supportive of unions and class action lawsuits, and I wonder why. But it's hard to believe that the establishment Democrats are socialists or radicals when we can't even get them to fight for healthcare or actually defund cops or just look into cops or do anything to deal with gun violence. They're too busy protecting the Supreme Court from protesters and releasing Nancy Reagan stamps to kick off Pride Month. But anyway, oh no! 
hold on, this just in. Oh, just now, breaking news. Oh, on this blank piece of paper, it turns out there is at least one politician currently dealing with a primary who reflects old school, moderate Republican values after all. And that is the incumbent US representative for Texas's 28th congressional district, Henry Queller, who is your classic anti-abortion, NRA funded, anti-union, anti-marijuana, anti-immigration Democrat. No. Henry, who has presumably just beat out his more progressive challenger in an extremely close primary race, is almost indistinguishable from a centrist Republican. He's the only Democrat to have had an A rating from the NRA who, even in the aftermath of mass shootings, has gone on record happily accepting their money. In fairness, though, you know, that rating dropped to a C in 2020, so... Good for him, I guess. Of course, he also voted against the PRO Act, a bill designed to expand employees' rights to organize and collectively bargain. And he's also the only House Democrat to vote against the Women's Health Protection Act. What a special, unique little boy he is. Also, as an aside, his home was recently raided by the FBI for reasons that are currently unclear, but seem to involve records relating to his wife and campaign staffers and their links to companies in Azerbaijan. But honestly... None of that seems important compared to that whole anti-abortion, NRA-loving, and immigrant-hating stuff I mentioned moments before. But hey, you know, it's not like this guy represents his party as a whole, and I'm sure he doesn't even get that much support. You know, if you don't count Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, or Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, or Nancy Pelosi, who all endorsed him because of how totally extremist left-wing they all are for this anti-choice, pro-gun, anti-union, and anti-immigration Democrat who is regarded by himself and others as a moderate. But but anyway, great meme, Elon! My goodness, I am tired. And so are you, most likely, as well. But I guess if there's a lesson to be learned from this, it's that progressives and the left not only aren't moving too far in that direction, but probably need to go even more far. Farther, if you will. Further? More far. Mar- Marther. Marther far. And screw it. If billionaires who can't get over their divorce or far-right grifters or even establishment politicians want to pretend that means that the left is going too far, then they can just do that. Because if there's one thing the people we've talked about here today have in common, besides all the other things that they definitely have in common, it's that words mean nothing to them. And anyone with a solid head on their shoulders should be able to realize that. And we just don't have time for the people who don't, because the right has actually been brazenly barreling toward absolute fucking oblivion for a while now, toward a party of anti-science, racism, anti-human rights, and acts of anti-democracy bordering on treason. And if that's how they want to define a moderate Republican, then I guess the rest of us who believe in things like universal healthcare, or pro-choice, or unions, or raising the minimum wage, or gun law reform, or trans rights, otherwise known as the majority of the country, are just a bunch of leftist extremists now. Welcome all to the far-left majority of the country. We got freaking Santa Claus over here! Also, orgies every Sunday except on holidays. Yes, we also have orgies. Blarb blarb! All aboard the sex monorail! Boop boop! And now, all off-board the sex monorail. Gotta, really gotta wipe it down. Not because of COVID, but, you know, sex juice. It's the end of the episode, and you have made it. Like and subscribe.
do all the stuff that you got to do on YouTube. Uh, we got a podcast called Even More News, if you want to listen to that. And this show, Some More News, as a podcast, if you prefer the Heary instead of the CE. There's all, you can also listen to it while you watch it. Whatever. Anyway, we've got merch with stuff on it and patreon.com slash some more news. And it's the end of this part of the end of the show, which you also made it to. Don't know why, but I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Oh.